Our text is on the back of this little sheet. It is from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And, and so I would ask you to follow along as I read and perhaps keep it out because we'll refer, be referring to it. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's our text. Christmas did not begin in Bethlehem or Nazareth. Christmas began in the Garden of Eden, way back at the very beginning. Christmas began really with our first parents, Adam and Eve, because you see, after they fell into sin, after they brought sin and death into the world, God came to them with a tremendous promise, the promise of a rescuer. He was going to send someone who would turn this whole thing about sin and death all around and bring it back to as God intended it in the beginning. And then after that, for centuries and centuries, as God got ready for the coming of this one, he made all kinds of plans. He gave all kinds of promises and prophecies. The first one he came to was Noah. He came to Noah, and he told Noah that it would be from one of his sons, a division of all of humanity, a man by the name of Shem. It would be from him that the Savior would come, from that part of humanity, that he would be a Semite, in other words. Many years later, of course, God came to a man by the name of Abraham, who happened to be a Semite. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to make of you the father of a great nation out of which that Savior someday is going to come. And I'm going to lead you to a land in which that Savior will be born. That was Abraham. Great promises. 400 years later, 400 years later, he came to a man by the name of Moses. And he said, Moses, when that one is born, there's going to be a special star in the sky to signal his coming. And also, Moses, he's going to be a great teacher and men are going to listen to him. So God has chosen by this time a nation from which he's going to come. He's chosen also a tribe out of that nation, the tribe of Judah. And now it comes time for God to choose a family out of that tribe. Catch it? He's got a nation from which he's going to come. He has a tribe from which he's going to come, the Savior. And now he's got to have a family within that tribe. And he chooses the family of David. Then after choosing the family of David, time goes on, the years pass by, decades go by, centuries go by, and through all of those, he's giving promise after promise. He comes and he says that someday he's going to be born, this special one is going to be born of a virgin. He's going to be born in a place called Bethlehem. He's going to, uh, he's going to do wondrous things. He's going to heal people who stammer. He's going to heal crippled people. He's going to heal lepers. He's going to raise people from the dead. He's going to do all of those wondrous, wondrous things. And he is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. What a one he's going to be. Prophecy after prophecy down all those centuries. All together in the Old Testament, 333 of those prophecies. Now, as theologians through the centuries have looked at all of these promises... And all of these prophecies, they finally come to this very one, and they said, this is the centerpiece of all of them. This is the centerpiece of all prophecies, for all of them are wrapped up in this wondrous one. 
Isaiah 9, 6, the centerpiece of all Old Testament prophecy. Listen to it once again. For to us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as you listen to that, you can see Isaiah looking across the centuries. And he sees this one coming is going to be a great king. And then he also sees the blessings that's going to come from him who comes as king. And that's what we want to talk about in the next few minutes. We want to talk about this king who's coming. And we also want to talk about the blessings that comes through him. Now, the very first thing he says is this. Isaiah describes him in this way. For to us a child is born. That points to the fact that he's going to be a true man, that he's going to be a true human being. He's going to have a human nature. He's not going to be some kind of spiritual being. He's not going to be an angel or anything like this. He's going to be a true human being. He's going to be born into this world as any infant is born into this world. He's going to be born of a woman. He's going to come from a woman's womb. He's going to be born under the law. On the eighth day, he's going to be circumcised like like every Jewish boy was at that time. And he's And he's going to be called by the name Jesus. That one is going to grow up to be a man. And the Bible emphasizes that he was a true man just like you and me. He was hungry, for instance, after the ordeal in the wilderness. He was hungry. He was thirsty. That's why they tell the story of, of him going to the, to the woman at the well, you see. He was also tired. He got so tired at times that he goes to sleep in the back of a boat, and as in the midst of a terrible storm, he continues to sleep right through it. He becomes a sad, he is a sad man. And uh, he goes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he breaks down crying. That's the kind of man he was. He was also a man who became angry when he saw people taken advantage of. And so he goes into the temple, and he becomes angry, and he drives those out of the temple who are selling animals and, and, and cheating people and so on. He becomes disappointed, and you see that as you look at him in the disciple and in the New Testament with the disciples. And he has a heart that hurts when he hears the pride and boasting of Peter and then sees how he falls. And he also is touched by the deceit and the betrayal of Judas. All of those things. He's a true man. The scriptures point that out in so, so many ways. There's only one way that is different than us. And that is this, that he never fell into sin. Never did he fall into sin. He lived a pure and holy life. Never did he fail his father in any kind of way. Now the question is, why did he have to be a true man? He had to be a true man so he could be our substitute. So he could take our place, you see. He had to be a true man so that he could live under the law and still keep all of the law for us. He could be the person that God calls us to be that cannot be. First of all, he had to be true man for that reason. But he also had to be true man so that he could die our death for us. Our death would be a death loaded with judgment and sin. And yet he has to be a true man in order to suffer our death for us. So he has to be a true man to live for you the life you should live and die for you the death that you should die. For me too, you see. And so he's a true man. And Isaiah points it out. For unto us a child is born. But he goes on to say, and unto us a son 
is given. In other words, this true man was, and this is the miracle of it all, he is also true God. And he is given. He is the Son of God given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Remember that word there. It is a huge word in that passage. God gave the second person of the Trinity into this world. Emmanuel, he is God with us. Given. We didn't deserve his coming. We had done nothing to earn his coming. Finally, his coming comes out of the generosity and grace of God. God's tremendous love for us. He gives his own son into the world to die for us. The Apostle Paul put it, by, put it this way, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Isaiah said that, that would be, that's the way it would be. And listen to this. This is Gabriel now talking to Mary. Read it a few moments ago. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. It is true. He was true God. Come. He said, I and my Father are one. And then he said, before Abraham, I was. And listen to this. Over and over again, he said he was indeed God come. Because every time he spoke one of his I am's, he was saying, I am God come. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the door. In all of those I am's, he was saying, I am that son given. Not only am I that child born, but I am also that son given. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the miracle of all miracles that points to that happened on a third day after he died. What gives truth to all of this is those great words, He is risen. But this one, Jesus Christ, came into the world to die for us and rise again. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And then it goes on to say, and the government shall be on his shoulders. What does that mean? That means he's going to be a king, not just like any other king, He's going to be the King of kings and He's going to be the Lord of lords. Goodness. Not only is He going to come out of the grave, He's going to ascend into heaven. And right before He ascended into heaven, He said these great words which point to the fact that He is King. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Now just listen to that. He stands before His disciples in the crowd and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am king. I am king of the universe. 
I am king of this earth. I am king of the church. I am king over the hearts of people. He is king. This one born, this one given, is also king. A child born and a son given. King of kings. Well, in those words now, Isaiah points to this great king. And then he goes on to say, these are the blessings that he's going to bring. And he tells us all these blessings. He wraps up, let's put it that way. He wraps up his blessings in the words by which he calls him. All of these blessings are now wrapped up in the names he will be called. Isaiah, let me tell you, Isaiah says, let me tell you something. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. What does that mean? That means that he is going to bring wisdom and knowledge and truth that will take away confusion. Now listen to that very carefully. Because in this world there is all kinds of confusion. There's all kinds of opinions. There's all kinds of ideas. There's all kinds of stuff. Oh, I think it is this way. I think it is that way. I think it should be this way, so on and so forth. No, he comes as wonderful counselor to bring wisdom Wisdom into a midst and to a world that is confused and lost in the darkness. He is going to bring knowledge and truth and wisdom. He was a wonderful counselor. He really was. As you read the Gospels, you see this. But sometimes when he speaks to people, and if you've done any kind of counseling or trying to work with people, you can see the wonder of this man. Sometimes in his dealings with people, you can just feel the compassion. There's other times when he rebukes people. There's other times when he lifts them up. There's other times when he uh, speaks the truth to them. By all of these different ways, you see him as a wonderful, wonderful counselor. And you see him dealing with people in a different way. As you look at him and as you read the Gospels, you see him talking to Nicodemus one night and he's counseling him in one way. And you see him talking to Zacchaeus in another way. And you see him talking to Mary and Martha in another way. And you see him talking to the woman at the well in another way. And you see him talking to the woman taken in adultery in another way. And as you look at all of these ways in which he deals with people and how he talks to people, you come away from saying, my goodness, I say it was right. He was indeed a wonderful, wonderful counselor. That he, and it's still true today, he still, of course, comes today with his counsel. Now, in this world today, there's all kinds of counselors. I mean, the devil and the world in our own sinful flesh, they are counseling us. They are always telling us which way to go. But they're always leading us in the way that is bad. They are counseling us toward evil. They are counseling us toward that which is going to be destructive to us. And in our world today, there is all kinds of confusion about what, how to live and where to go and how to do. And that's why you have lots of counselors. That's why you have people going to scam artists. That's why you have people going to uh, astrologers. That's why you have people going to card readers. That's why you have people going to spiritualists. And all of these different things. People are confused and they're looking for answers. And the Bible here says Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the wonderful counselor. Now the question is this, is he your wonderful counselor? When you're looking for guidance and direction, do you go to Jesus? Because that's where truth is. And listen to this, one of the tasks of a counselor is to know the person he is counseling. And you can be sure Jesus Christ knows you. 
and knows you inside and out. And so when you go to him looking for guidance and looking for direction and how to live your life, he knows how to direct you and guide you and so on. He's a wonderful counselor. But not only is he a wonderful counselor, he's also a mighty God, the everlasting Father. And what that points to is this, that he has the power to help you follow his counseling. That he has the power to help you follow his counseling. Counselors here on earth can guide you and direct you, but they can't give you the power to carry out how they counsel you, but he does. And it comes out in this way. In life, there can be so much chaos when there is not counseling there or direction. But when he gives counsel, he then follows that with the power to follow that counsel. When Jesus Christ comes into a life, he can guide that life out of chaos. You see, Jesus Christ comes as counselor, as the mighty God, to help us get things in line, to get things straightened out. He comes into lives in which there is chaos and helps those lives to settle down and put things in order. That's the wonder of him, you see, that he can come and give the counsel and then give the power to fulfill that counsel, that he can give us the power to say no to Satan, and he gives us the ability to come to him in prayer. He is a wonderful counselor, and he's the mighty God. And then finally, Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. What's that about? There is so much turmoil in the lives of people. But he comes into our lives as Prince of Peace. First of all, he establishes peace between us and God in that he dies for our sins on the cross. And then he assures us of forgiveness. And that's a wondrous, wondrous blessing because the assurance of forgiveness in Jesus Christ gives me peace. Yesterday's guilt does not have to accuse and put me down. I have a Savior who says to me, I have forgiven you. And that stills a guilty conscience. There's only one way to steal, to, to still a guilty conscience in this world. Psychiatrists cannot still guilty consciences. Psychologists cannot still guilty consciences. There is only one person who can still a guilty conscience. That's Jesus Christ. And he, because he died on this cross for our sins, can say to you and to me, I forgive you. I forgive you. And those words wipe out yesterday's sin and drop a curtain between today and yesterday. And that brings peace. Peace. He brings peace to in connection with death. Because there is that deep down in fear of death for those who do not know Jesus Christ. Now you can try to evade it and try not to think about it. And they can do all kinds of things. They can avoid funerals. They can avoid talking about death and trying to think about death. And they can try to stay young forever and all kinds of ways in which people try to evade death and thinking about it. But in Jesus Christ, there's the answer to death. And he brings peace. That's where peace comes to. You see, I have peace when it comes to 
thinking about dying and facing dying and all those kind of things because I know that in Him I have the gift of heaven, that in Him is forgiveness, and that in Him is resurrection. And that brings peace. And then finally there is this, that He brings peace when it comes to tomorrow. Because the other thing that destroys peace in our lives is worry about tomorrow. We are anxious about tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to be like? What's going to bring? What problem am I going to have? What difficulty am I going to face? What is going to happen to my children? What about my job? All kinds of all kinds of things when it comes to tomorrow that I worry about, that I'm anxious about, that I'm scared about. How do you find peace when it comes to looking at tomorrow? There's only one way. And... There's only one person, and that's Jesus Christ, who says, I'll be there when you get up in the morning. I'll be there to help you face whatever you face tomorrow. There's nothing tomorrow that you and I together cannot handle. And so that gives me peace. You see, the three big destroyers of peace when it comes to our living guilt and fear of death and worry about tomorrow. And Jesus takes care of all of those. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. So, see what a beautiful passage this is and see why the theologians down through the years called it the centerpiece of prophecy. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. So Isaiah says, who is this Savior coming? That was the question that was being asked. And Isaiah says, he's a child. He's going to be born. He is a son given. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He is the Prince of Peace. And so the question that you and I must face tonight is this. huh? We must face this. Is he truly our Savior? Is he truly our God? Is he truly our Lord? Is he my wonderful counselor? Is he my mighty God? Is he my Prince of Peace? And I pray that each and every person here tonight, when you leave here, you're going to be saying, yes, indeed. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my counselor. He's my mighty God. He's my Prince of Peace. God grant that to all of us. Amen.